following episode may be frightening for younger audiences. Hey, you're listening to Evergreen, a storytelling podcast. I'm Caleb, and I'm an audio engineer. And this is Mitchell. And I'm a journalist. Here at Evergreen, our listeners choose the prompts, our guests write the stories, and then we bring them to life. Today, we have Phoenix Crockett, family wellness coach at the Vermont Center for Children. His topics were a traveling circus, the refreshing taste of Coca-Cola, and tangled headphones. And stay tuned for a sneak peek at our exclusive interview with this episode's storyteller. So get ready to plunge into another spooky story. This is Phoenix Crockett's The Bottomless Pit of Fun. John pumped the pedals of his bicycle methodically. His tangled earphones swung back and forth beneath his chin, hypnotizing the country road ahead. He wasn't even listening to anything anymore. He hadn't even brought his phone. He was simply used to the weight of them in his ears. It had gotten darker all of a sudden, and John was nervous. He took a left, and then a right, and he nearly fell off of his bike when thunder clapped behind him. He had hated thunderstorms for his whole life, and his thoughts raced over how to exit this situation without a panic attack. He knew that there was a wooded path that ran alongside this road that would spit him out by the raised seafood, and home wasn't far from there. As soon as he found an opening, the rain began to fall in sheets. The path was uncomfortably close to pitch black. Tall evergreens lined the way, and John was momentarily pacified by the smell of rain and balsam. The rain did not penetrate the trees. The thought of getting lost made his stomach feel like lead, but he was more afraid of being caught in the storm than walking through a redolent forest, so he dismounted his bike and moved forward. He wasn't sure how long he'd been walking when he came across a large wooden sign. It was white and had the iconic cursive words, Coca-Cola, written in all four corners. As his eyes adjusted, John read, Topsfield Circus. A bottomless pit of fun, aloud. Thunder once more shook the muscles between his ribs, and he pushed forward through the mist, propelled less by courage and more by an electric feeling in his feet. He made it barely ten yards before he saw a light go on in the darkness, and his heart rate rose so quickly that tears formed in his eyes from the chest pain. The light illuminated the flaps of a mid-sized canvas circus tent, as well as a short, white-haired man dressed in overalls, a clean white button-down, and an orange hunter's beanie. Would you like a Coke? The man asked. John, frozen in fear, remained silent. The man walked toward him and produced a green bottle, ostensibly from nowhere. This is a storage facility for a traveling circus and the creatures that travel with it. The man explained. I don't usually see anyone out here. I just came to check on the folds. He waited for a reply and got none. They call me Bub. You look terrible, friend. Come inside. John remembered where his feet were and how to use them. A storage facility. That made sense. As they walked, he accepted the green glass Coke bottle. I thought they didn't make these anymore. John noted. 
Sponsorship perks, I suppose, said Bub. The tent looked smaller from the outside. Crates were piled 15 feet high in corners, and the folded red bleachers would have seated five or 800 people. It was solidly 10 degrees warmer than the already hot July afternoon. John saw one of the animals that Bub was talking about. A small sheep, perhaps a lamb, was facing the back of the tent and bleeding, as if in pain. Bub knelt down to comfort it, cooing and stroking its spine with calloused fingers. I like sheep, said John. He wasn't sure why he'd just told a grown man that he liked sheep. Give her a pet. He walked around to the front of the sheep, and when he saw its face, he fell straight back onto his behind, breaking the half-empty Coke bottle and cutting his hand in the process. The sheep had seven eyes, each a different size and looking in a different direction. It's fine, said Bub. He's a smart sheep, knows lots of tricks. Would you like to see the other animals? John was backing toward his bike. He was surprised that Bub had not offered to help him clean his wound. The blood was squirting onto his shirt at 150 beats per minute and probably needed a bandage on the double. I'm all set, thanks. Gotta get this bandaged up. D do you have a piece of cloth I could steal? Bub ignored him and whistled with two fingers. After a moment's rest, four horses came barreling into the tent. And for the first time of many that night, John screamed. It was a particularly high scream, the kind that seems to only affect sensitive adult men. The first horse was white, and it did a little dance step, clearly meant for the circus audience, before bowing. The next was a sort of brown maroon, and it just snorted and turned its head. The third was black, and the fourth was a pale gray. Give them a pet. They're friendly. Very talented. No many tricks. Have another Coke. Like the first, the second soft drink seemed to appear from nothing. John knew that if he did not leave, he would, at best, bleed to death watching a petting zoo parade. He became acutely aware of his earphones still dangling from his ears, so he draped them around his neck and said, Sorry, I've got to go. Thanks, though. He turned around to make his exit seem final. Then, he felt his earphones wrapped tightly around his neck and a firm knee in his back. He shrieked, but his internal voice said, He sort of knew where this was going. Bub whispered into his ear, Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? John was thrown to the ground with his face in the dirt. The horses neighed and pounded their hooves, and the sheep bleated wildly. I've got something to show you, John. John had never given his name. Suddenly, he was lifted up by the earphone noose, up off of his feet. Bub wasn't doing it, though. No one was. He was floating towards the peak of the tent, and Bub's face was contorted like a demon's while he shouted, Something to show you. The truth. The truth. John was surprised to find that while the white cord around his neck hurt, it was not cutting off his air or blood supply. It seemed controlled somehow. 
Which will make you repent, said Bob. John felt woozy watching the long fall his blood took from his hand to the ground. The blood puddle seemed to grow faster than the dribbling wound would allow, and suddenly it began to bubble as if it were acid. It burned through the dirt deeper and deeper until a large hole, maybe two or three meters across, with a bottom too deep to see, appeared in the circus floor. Burn! Burn in the lake of fire. Repent and burn with the Romans. John heard these words and promptly urinated in his padded Viking shorts. The hole vibrated a bit, and when Bub gestured to it, two creatures were ejected in an eruption of blood and dirt. They were humanoid, but they crawled on all fours, and their muscles rippled like a bodybuilder's. Their eyes and genitals were replaced by arms. John cried and wished for another coke for his dry throat. The creatures did not attack John, but danced beneath him, shouting nonsense syllables. A roar greater than any sound John had ever heard shook the tent. And for a few seconds, the party was silent. Repent! And a whir of circus music began to play at top volume. Bub ushered six more beings from the hole. They were three black locusts and three black mosquitoes, each larger than horses. The low buzz that their wings made was, to John, more terrifying than the unidentified roar. They watched as one locust opened its mouth and formed an apple-sized flame, which was promptly shot at him faster than a Major League Baseball pitch. burn it left on his leg was black and oozing, and the pain didn't register at first. By the time he started to feel it, his legs and lower torso were covered in such burns. Oh God, just kill me. For Christ's sake, let me die. Bub yelled, This is the truth. The only truth. John believed him. He believed him as hard as a man needs to believe when he is gagged by the smell of his own burnt skin. Oh God. Oh God, Christ. The lamb turned its face up to him. You called? Repent! Bob was ushering the lamb, the two beasts, the four horses, and the six locusts into the hole. He then himself entered the hole, which closed around him. John fell to the floor and felt both of his tibias crack like wood in a splitter. Blinded by pain, but fueled by adrenaline, he ripped the cord from his neck and crawled toward the opening of the tent. He could hear nothing outside. The only sound was the most complete and frightening silence anyone could ever hear. John croaked. Help. As he passed out, he felt the dirt below him start to give and in moments he was swallowed by the earth. I told you, man. I told you it'd be different. I told you it'd be different than my circus story. Yeah. No, you were absolutely that right. That was That was very, very terrifying. different. I really very, liked very it. very scary. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Man, yeah. as someone who grew up in Sunday school, that, revel that revelation stuff gave me the... Uh, 
I think gives you the, think, gives you the chills a little, a little bit. bit of the heebie-jeebies. That's that's stuff a little spooky. This scary. is technically the second. I guess you'd call this um, the second horror genre we've had on Evergreen so far, um, rivaling only yourself for my, the, uh, my, uh, the dog episode. Doggy days for those who want to go back and listen to it. Yeah, I was. I will say. I think he did a little bit better of a job. That was a really <laughs> good horror story. I got to sit down with him, and that's really pretty much all we talked about too. This guy eats and breeds horror so i'm not really surprised that he knocked it out of the park like he did yeah i'm excited to hear the interview so oh, yeah well let's, uh, let's take a sneak peek at that uh that little chit chat we had sounds good and at first you're right i was thinking about having um the main character john enter voluntarily into the pit um because i wanted it to be kind of a story about uh the temptations of evil and how um all how attractive horror can be, um, how attractive horrible things can be. It's a horror is a romance genre. I will uh, argue that day and night. No, I, under- I understand that it's a it's an interesting thing to say, and it's a thing I say a lot. Um, I keep mentioning my buddy Stephen. He was the first person to ever say that to me, and it ended up being a very long conversation that made a lot of sense. So, horror is about a couple of things. It's about making you feel something. And it's also about, a lot of the time, being over the top. Even the most subtle of horror is about the emotion fear. And so it's it's over the top. It's theatrical. Um, we think of, when I think of, when I say romance, um, you think of love stories, which tend to be really over the top. They tend to be drippy. Um, you think of rose petals on the bed. The whole situation. Sappy shit. Um, and firstly, on one hand, horror is all about that. It's all about being over the top. And secondly, horror also contains a lot of the same themes um, of romance, a lot of the same unsurety, a lot of the same primalness. Um, you know, sex and love is very primal and fear is very primal. And you'll see in horror um, how much horror writers will reference romance to get their point across. I think my favorite example is vampires. Vampires are lusty. Vampires are romantic. They're European. There's castles and things like that, which serves to demonstrate sort of how, sort of how you can draw the line between, between horror and romance. It's very... No one is going in to, say, Dracula expecting something subtle or a light idea to be presented. There's going to be a lot of the color red, and there's going to be a lot of maniacal laughing laughing, and a lot of um, even love stories and, and things like that. Well, we want to thank you again, Phoenix, for being a part of Evergreen. Um, your story was fantastic. Uh, you did an excellent job, in my opinion. I had a really fun time getting to add sound effects and music to it. Um, horror is one of my favorite genres to play around with because it, it's kind of like a an all-you-can-eat buffet of sound design because everything can be scary if you use it in the right way. I mean, uh, you know, just for some of those sound effects, I, I used owls, and to make them a little bit stranger, I, um, I slowed them down halfway through their hoots. So it was kind of this strange... A wobbly otherworldly owl and I think that this episode was a lot of fun to get to play around with because you created this world that was so it was it was it was magically terrifying you know so 
Good job. I really enjoyed it. Um, you guys' discussion was fantastic. As someone sitting on the outside, it's really interesting to see both how he goes about eliciting an emotional response out of uh, us, the listeners, through his horror writing, but also getting to see how you pair it by eliciting, by eliciting an emotional response from with using the sound design, because there are definitely moments in the, in the story that when I read it, when he first sent it to me, I thought, oh, that's pretty spooky. And then when you added your sound design, it became downright horrific. So it's really interesting to see how different uh, sound design and how different writing can both make something really, really scary. We talk a bit more about that in the actual full-length interview, which, if you'd like to listen to, will be on our Patreon. Yeah. So for those of you out there who were like, that was a fun little uh, tidbit that he gave me about uh, horror being a romance genre, I want to hear more about his opinion, then we have more for you to yeah, listen to. For sure. Go check out our Patreon. We have a, a lot of uh, exclusive content for you guys if you want to get involved in that. Um we have multiple tiers, and each one of them will unlock a different amount of uh, stuff you guys can listen to. Some of them are even every week, so yeah, you know, we got it's, worth, some, it's worth checking out, I would say. Got some bonus off-week episodes out there for those who just can't get enough of us. And also, if you still can't get enough of Phoenix Crockett, he's got a podcast coming out um, on Halloween, actually. He'll be releasing the first five episodes. It is a Stephen King um, not kind of review, critique, just kind of chit-chat about Stephen King and the things that make it great. Um, I've already got a little sneak peek at what they got planned, and it's it's something special, guys. So if you like horror, if you like Stephen King, or if you just like t- hearing two people who love stuff talking about what they love in a funny way, it's definitely something worth checking out. We'll put a uh, link for that in the description of this, yeah. with the title and all the information. Definitely check him out, yeah. You know, and I think it's also time for us to choose the storyteller and the topics for, um, for the next episode. And yeah, definitely. I have an idea. So how about we give you a little challenge, Mitch? Give me a little challenge? Um, in the spirit of the season, um, <laughs> of the fact that this episode came out, how about you do the next story? Okay. And there is one standard other than the topics. Uh, it has to be a sequel to your episode, Carnival Atlas. So, it has to be a sequel? Yeah, it has to be a sequel. So James Edwater better, uh, better prepare himself for a second story. But yet, they are going to be completely fresh topics that... You're gonna roll right now, and I'm gonna tell you what they are. So I have to. So whatever I roll right now, I have to write a story using these three topics with a, a character s- I used. The character already. that you used in Carnival Atlas. So uh, go ahead. Okay, let's do this. Um, uh, let me see. Twenty-two. So that's gonna be the Roman Empire, and that was given to us by AJ Harris. The Roman Empire. Yeah, that's um, a, that's a tonal shift. Good luck. All right, <laughs> uh, here we go. Let's do let's do this, Gladiator. Uh, let me see. Uh, Thirty-one. That is 31. That is Flat Tire, and that's from Josh Biscara. I'm not sure if he means the beer or the actual noun of a Why not flat tire. <laughs> I'll do both. Sure. All right. Um, and give last me the last one. one. Um, 74. 74. That is going to be Superstition by Phoenix Crockett. Phoenix actually uh, sent actually us a few topics. He gave us like 15 topics when he yeah. gave us his story. That being said, you guys are able as uh, as faithful listeners to Evergreen. You're able to submit topics to even, the Evergreen even, Bank of Wonder on our website. Even you unfaithful listeners. If even the ones who this, are not, you know, if, you can give us topics too. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Um, so yeah, go to our website. Um, and on Twitter, at Evergreencast, you can get us... Yeah, get both, our website, both our website and our Twitter. Same same handle. Um, I guess one's a domain name, but... <laughs> <laughs> it works. Also, don't forget that on that website, there are articles weekly. There is the morning commute in the morning if you need another story there's a lot on there go have go have a good time yeah it's a beautiful website so you guys definitely need to follow us on all of those fun social media and see what we're doing i post a lot on the instagram stories um but yeah so 
to tune in um, in two weeks for the next episode of Evergreen. If you guys are patrons, then you'll get an episode next week um, on the Patreon that you can find exclusively for yourself. Um, I guess this is goodbye. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this story, and we hope that it keeps you up at night because the best horror <laughs> movies keep you from ever going to sleep, ever. Yeah. So you guys, sleep tight. Um... I hear our theme music playing. How is our theme music playing? Jeez. Oh, here it is. Would you like a Coke?